Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Barely Backcountry Podcast. Today we have Josh Jacobson on from Four Fletch Archery. He's running a real good Instagram page and a good YouTube channel. Um, if you're into any type of archery, whether it be target archery, you know, hunting, or even just recreationally, I think you'll enjoy his stuff. And uh, before we get any further, I'm a horrible podcast host, and I forgot to ask him to shout out his um, social media before we ended, so I'm going to do that for him. Um, if you guys want to check him out on Instagram, it's four.fletch.archery. Um, that's where he's at mostly. And then, like I said, he has a YouTube channel as well. It's for Fletch Archery. So make sure you give both of those a follow. Like I said, he's running a real great, um, real great page on both those social media platforms. And then if you want to check out my social media, the podcast is barely underscore backcountry underscore podcast on Instagram. And then my personal is C dot Dillashaw. But with any, without any further ado, I'll get you into that conversation with Josh. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Barely Backcountry Podcast. Today we got Josh Jacobson on from Four Fletch Archery. He runs that Instagram page, that YouTube channel. Oh, I'm sure you guys have seen him around if you're into target archery at all or even some whitetail hunting stuff. Um, but Josh, if you just want to introduce yourself real quick and we kind of get started with some archery talk. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No um, problem, man. But- but my name is Josh Jacobson. I'm from Oklahoma, and I started the Four Fletch Archery uh, more on a social media platform. Um, a lot of my posts on my personal page, you know, I had about five friends that cared about archery, and <laughs> you know, I've had a long passion for for bow hunting mainly, you know. Um, yeah. And then lately, I've transitioned into some target archery stuff. But uh, my wife suggested, as you know, wives are are they usually have good ideas. Uh-huh. She just she suggested starting, um, you know, something for archery and and bow hunting that would get people uh, in a similar mind, you know, together. So that's how it started. It's it's been going for uh, I guess we're going on the third year now. Uh, nice. It's been it's been phenomenal. I've met some of the nicest people all across the country. Uh, I'm really amazed every day at just how how helpful, how genuine, and and uh, just how how strong and how good the archery community is. Uh, it's yeah. really been awesome. Definitely. Yeah, the archery community definitely is, but then you can also get the complete opposite of that sometimes. So <laughs> kind of funny how that works, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. There's definitely, uh, it, it, just like all spaces, it can be interesting for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so kind of got the kind of got the Instagram page going and uh, started to make connections with people across the country and uh really just kind of grew from there. I mean, I, I like to take pictures. Um, you know, I've been, a, I've been, I, I didn't get started bow hunting until later in my life. Um, okay. I grew up in, I grew up in Colorado, which would have been right up your alley. Um, yeah. I lived there all the way until uh, college, but the only hunting I did and was really exposed to was pheasant hunting. You know, my, my family, uh, we moved from, I was born in Aurora, which is, you know, Denver metro area yeah. to uh, Northeast Colorado. And, and it's a lot more like Western Kansas than, than, you know, beautiful mountains. It's, it's plains and wind and, uh, you know, totally different than what a lot of people think of when they imagine Colorado. But yeah. So anyway, uh, went to college in Oklahoma and, uh, met my wife, decided to move here and, and, and just eventually through, through some friends and family, you know, bought a bow and, and, and started trying to figure out how to bow hunt. And really that's, you know, that was, it's probably been, I guess, 2008 ish when i started uh, okay I'm 38 i'm 38 now so you know getting old but uh <laughs> it's been it's been a fun journey i mean it, it takes a long time there's a learning curve and it's amazing how quick people can learn things today with all the information available and and oh, yeah. you know people like people like you that are that are getting the word out and getting getting information to people it, it's a uh, i feel like i could have learned a lot more a lot faster if i yeah. waited 10 more years it seems like yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a ton of information out there. And I mean, I try to do the best I can. I'd like to do more of it. I mean, you definitely do quite a bit of it on your um, social platforms as well. And, you know, I've picked up some things from there. So I definitely, definitely pay attention to what you're doing um, with that four fletch archery thing. But oh man. well, I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been interesting, you know, uh, I feel like I really haven't started getting you know gaining gaining a lot of information a lot of knowledge uh just in the last few years i i uh, met some met some friends at at a bow shop and they they really just poured you know poured their their wisdom and knowledge into me 
and mm-hmm. uh, I'm still pretty new, you know, as far as uh, working on my own equipment, building my own bows and all that. I mean, I do it, but uh, yeah. you know, like when you worked in a shop and you touch 10 bows a day, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I might work on my stuff, you know, I'm just not, it's just not near the repetition. So it, I'm yeah, still definitely. a little slower at it than a guy that does it for a living. Um, but man, I'm, I'm eager to learn. Um, you know, the, the more I learn about target archery, you know, I feel like the tuning, uh, you know, kind of the thing that a lot of guys from the outside that don't work on their own equipment, you know, they think that there's just this magical tune that you're going to find that's going to make you hit the middle or, or, you know, make you not miss that bowl at 80 yards or whatever the scenario might be. But yeah, I feel like the, the older I get, the more I learn, you know, the, the man behind the bow is, is the one responsible for 90% of it. You know, a good tune Absolutely. is great and it can help, but it, it is a lot less important than good form, you know, good shot process. Um, and just, you know, trying to be as robotic as possible. Yeah, Definitely. What was your what was your first bow when you got into archery a few years ago? What was that first setup like? Oh man, well I bought one off Craigslist and nice. uh, yeah, it was a terrible. It, it it was you know I found one looked like it had everything. It was set up. I mean this was way before I knew anything and mm-hmm. bought it from a guy. Went to a bow shop to get fitted and they were like, oh this thing has crack limbs. We won't touch it. So yeah, that was my first experience, but. Uh, after that, I got a Grizzly Reflex. That was probably my first, uh, you know, that was my first pretty decent bow, you okay. know, long axle to axle. Um, and uh, it was, it was a, it was a long, big bow, but it, it shot great. It was a good bow. I enjoyed it. Uh, from there, I think I went to a, a PSE Bow Madness XS, which is like a 28 inch mm-hmm. micro I, I don't know. Obviously, as I've gotten older, I, I like a longer axle axle. I don't. What's your ideal axle axle for hunting? For hunting, I I like a taller bow. I mean, I think anywhere from like that thirty two to probably like thirty five on the tall end, anywhere yeah. in there. Right now, I'm shooting a, a Matthews V three thirty one. Which, when I got that bow, I kind of didn't really know any different between a tall bow and a short bow. And those Matthews with those giant cams, the string angle is like closer to around like a 33 where it's coming off the cam. But yeah, I definitely once it's time to upgrade hunting bows, we'll be looking for something a little bit taller. Yeah. Those are great bows. I had a, I had a VXR 31 and a half and, yeah. and uh, I really liked it, but you know, that's, that's really kind of how I transitioned back. I, I mean, my history with bows, I, I was a Hoyt shooter for a long time, loved Hoyts, had several of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I ordered a bow, uh, you know, uh, it was my, it wasn't my first new Hoyt, but uh, it was my first like custom ordered Hoyt and it came yeah. in and man, I, I had some issues with it and I don't know. So it, it ended up basically ended up getting the Matthews and wasn't really like, uh, it was kind of my second choice, you know, but I yeah. loved it. They were phenomenal. Matthews makes a great bow for sure. Yeah. Uh, that V3, you know, even the V3X is a, you know, those v, V3X 33s are really good shooting bows. Oh, but, yeah. Um, I, uh, I I really wanted a 33 or 34-inch axle to axle, just kind of what I preferred. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Matthews didn't offer anything. I ended up, you know, after kind of looking at what all was available, I just I, – I got the PSC EVL 34 and absolutely, like, loved that bow. Um, you know, the only thing – and this isn't a negative. I mean, Matthews – has a lot of there's a lot of things going for them with the switch weight cans and you know being you know the limbs are all the same there's a lot of good things but you know the modules you you have to get you know draw length specific draw weight specific and let off so it's you know i ended up having to buy three or four modules every you know just to figure out what i wanted to end up ultimately running so some of the bows with a you know the uh um mods that are you know adjustable on the bow you know the, the PSCs have some good – there's a lot of bow companies that have a lot of adjustability. I mean, Bowtech and Elite. Yeah. You know, there's just so many good bows out there, and things mm-hmm. have come so far. So, But once I got that PSE, you know, obviously the next year they came out with the V3X33, and it would have it would have fit what I was looking for. I yeah. just already fell in love with the Evolve cams, and, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. But I did shoot Hoyts for a long time. I mean, have what like what's been your history with bows? Have you had a certain brand that you shot, or do you, you – just kind of pick and choose or 
No, I've only ever had two bows, so I started I started getting into archery five, six years ago, right around that time that like Joe Rogan was starting to have like guys like Cam Haynes and John Dudley on his podcast and archery yeah. became a lot more mainstream. That was I jumped on the archery ship the same time a lot of people did. Um my first bow was a Hoyt Power Max and I actually like custom ordered the Cam Haynes edition because that was like all I knew in archery. Um, in my mind, Cam Haynes was the best shooter in the world. Not saying yeah. he's a bad shooter, but there are definitely people that, at least with a little bit better form than him. But well, he's he's made it work. He gets man. it done, though. He yeah. hasn't he hasn't uh, left any tags in I don't know how many years. It's yeah, unreal. So. It's literally yeah. unreal. That's but, awesome. The Power Max was a good bow. I it was a real good bow. I just I had some problems with it keeping a tune, um, and I'm not sure what it what that issue was. But like there was times where like. I would go to the shop and tune it, you know, get it shooting bullet holes. And then I'd go home and shoot it through paper and it would, you know, have a, another tear through it. So, and yeah. a lot of that could have just been my form. You know, I was, you know, only two, three years into archery at that point when I first got into working on my own stuff. So I'm sure I didn't have great form and looking back on it, it probably was more me than the bow, but that seemed to be one of the only problems I had with it. But overall, I mean, it killed a cow elk just fine for me. I Man, took it to awesome. the, the first total archery challenge I ever went to with that bow and shot amazing on that weekend. So I, I enjoyed Wh- that bow which, a lot. Which course did you go to? I did it. It was during the COVID year. So they did it in Ogden, Utah, instead of the snow park or park. City oh, or yeah. Wherever they usually do it. Yeah. But, yeah. Man, I bet it was that fun. was awesome. Oh, yeah. It was a ton of fun. And then I've been to one more in Montana since then. And I'd like to do a lot more. They're just. They're not super close to me, but yeah, I do and yeah, do enjoy sure. going to them. They're a lot of fun, man. It's uh, I think it's a uh, we're gonna just see that continue to grow. I mean, it's it's uh, it's so much fun. They had the first one in Oklahoma last year, yeah, and the weather was absolutely perfect. And I think the I think the site, you know, it's in southeast Oklahoma. I think it it uh, ended up being better than they even anticipated. I mean. They had one – the sick, of course, was on an island. You had to take a boat to get to it. It was so – Yeah, I heard fun. that. That was cool. We had a great time. So, those tack events are definitely – if, if you know, anyone's thinking about it, they should. It's it's so much fun. Yeah, definitely. What uh, what are you shooting right now? Are you still So, you're still shooting PSC, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm shooting uh, – for hunting, I'm shooting the, the PSC XF 33. So, uh, very similar – uh to the evl 34 yeah. it's 33 inch axle axle obviously um i went the e2 cam which is a a newer it was a new cam and it, it, you know they had an option for an s2 cam the s2 cam would have been the most you know that i would have gotten the fastest speeds out of at my draw length my draw length is i mean it kind of varies depending on the bow but it's yeah. usually 20 29 and a half to 29 and five eighths okay you know, it's usually some an eighth somewhere in there. Yeah. I think my bow right now is five eighths what I'm shooting. But um, so the S2 cam would have given me the most speed. But, you know, as I've gotten into target archery, which you shoot target archery some, don't you? So I actually just started. I just set up my first target bow Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Matthew's TRX 38. I've never like done any competitive stuff. It's all been hunting. But yeah, the shop I worked at previous to the one I'm at now was pretty much all target i mean their main customer base was guys getting hunting bows but the owner and general manager they were just strictly target shooters and that kind of you know piqued my interest in it um so it's something i'm looking forward to doing in the coming year and it's a gateway drug get ready you can oh, yeah. take a lot of money <laughs> it's expensive yeah. oh but yeah. i mean it is so fun yeah that's awesome man i i had a my actually my first target bow not that i've had that many but my first target bow was a trx 38 g2 and i really like that bow that was a really good shooting bow so i think you're gonna like that trx platform it's yeah so far i like it um but yeah we were just shooting tonight and we shot a 300 round we can really only get to about 16 yards if we shoot across the shop but i shot a 295 which was my best score i've ever shot on an indoor round now we'll see how that transfers when i actually get out to 20 but yeah that's awesome man that is really awesome it's exciting target archery you know, the thing about it that, you know, I don't know if people know or not, but it's it's literally form and then it's mental. You know, it's it's doing oh, the same yeah. thing over and over. 
and a lot of the time it's it's keeping it together mentally and 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 i'm telling you this from a, a place of not having a ton of experience with it like i said i've really you know i've shot 3d for a long time and, mm -hmm. and that's my passion i would say uh indoor yeah. archery is definitely not my passion but if you can hit the middle at 20 yards over and over and over you got a good shot process and that's going to translate when you get out to you know whether you shoot 3d or you shoot field whatever your you know whatever your discipline is whatever game you want to play it's yeah. definitely going to make a difference and hunt, hunting obviously which is yeah. kind of why we all do it i feel like you know i feel like target archery is kind of there because we want to be better hunters for a lot of guys anyway yeah absolutely yeah i mean like i set up this target bow but even when i was shooting my you know my hunting bow like i would shoot 300 rounds and like i was always like i wanted to shoot a 300 and i still i would love to be able to shoot a 300 with my hunting bow someday obviously you know doing it with a target bow is going to be a little bit easier and i got to get that first but um but yeah i've shot you know a couple over 290 with a hunting bow but yeah, yeah i mean really i'm striving good, for like when i'm shooting a you know a three spot target with my hunting bow like i'm not happy if that arrow's outside a 10 ring at 20 yards there's no with where i'm at right now in my shooting ability there's really no reason it shouldn't be you know much outside of a 10 ring at all yeah it's a it's a it's a humbling sport because you oh, think yeah. that hitting hitting that big 10 ring at 20 yards would be a no-brainer every time but it's so much harder than yeah. you think it's going to be like it's it's humbling for sure yeah but it's absolutely. fun man i'm yeah. glad you got a target bow that's gonna be awesome for you i'm excited that's that's yeah. gonna be a lot of fun yeah so like like i said the dudes at the shop they they just continue you know they they really they were big target shooters and that's that's kind of how i got into it mm -hmm. and uh man i've just learned so much from you know a handful of guys that that were just willing to teach me and show me and and, uh, and I, you know, I imagine that's kind of your shop experience. So, so you got into archery and then you just started working at a shop. Is that what happened? That yeah. So I, I worked or let's well, so, yeah. So I got into archery when I was, I think just turned 16 or 17 and I'm 22 now. Um, so got into archery and just to, to bow hunt. Um, and it's actually, there's kind of a funny story behind it. So the plan was to always eventually bow hunt but i had never hunted before no one in my family hunted so i was going to be like all right i'm going to rifle hunt for a few years kind of figure out you know how to hunt and all that and then i'll switch over to archery and then nevada's draw system so you have your five choices um for each species and it was a mule deer tag and my first four choices were all rifle tags and i must have just misread on my fifth choice and put in archery and drew an archery tag so i ended up starting bow hunting a little bit earlier than i had planned but it was definitely a good mistake in the end um it's been fun for sure but yeah, yeah so i started just for that and then a couple years later i started working at at go hunt who's a big you know company in the western hunt industry um and there they had a a bow press in the back and all that and a draw board and that's really how i learned to work on it there was a a shop in town not the one i ended up working at um but the other one if anybody's familiar with vegas um, it's not impact archery. So the other shop in Vegas, I had a bad experience with them. Um, and just didn't got to the point where I didn't trust anybody to work on my equipment anymore. So I just almost out of necessity started learning how to work on it on my own. And, you know, kind of like what you were saying earlier, how you get to, you know, you don't work on your bow that often. Whereas, you know, in my position, I'm touching, you know, five to 10 bows every day. It was kind of like that. Like I would, you know, fix the cam timing on my bow and then you know never touch it again and i would paper tune never touch it again so like i knew how to do all these things but anytime i would have to go back and do it i'd have to you know research it um and and kind of learn again and then you know after a few years at go hunt i left there and started working at you know impact archery in las vegas and just moved down to arizona a couple months ago and i'm working at hunter's choice archery down here in arizona so oh that's awesome yeah it, it's really cool archery shops are they're they are the lifeblood of our industry i mean i Absolutely. know that people buy stuff uh from big big stores but i'll tell you that's that's been the one thing that i've uh you know i, I wouldn't say unlocked but in the whole social media side of life you know uh, with the four fletch page i i've learned to value i mean archery shops across the country like we have to we have to support them we have to mm -hmm. you know uh 
like they're just you know they're good people they're they're like-minded people trying to make a living and, and everyone knows i would say archery is a tough industry to make a living in as far as like a shop owner i mean just to have a 20 yard range that's so much square footage you know there's yeah. so many things that that factor into you know where a gun range is you know it seems like that's a little easier gig for a lot of places you know than an archery store you know a lot of times they're together you know whatever but um i've really it's really been cool to to get to connect with archery shops across the country that i would never even have thought of you know yeah. and 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 now i make it my my mission if i go out of state somewhere i seek out those shops and and try to visit as many as i can i just think it's really cool to 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 meet you know and and, and to to just have uh interactions with with as many as many people in the archer community just especially shop owners though you know they anytime that i have the opportunity to try to you know reshare if someone's got a sale going or whatever like i, I like that and I, and I really yeah. like uh knowing that if i need something i can shoot a couple dms and someone's probably got it you know like it's pretty cool absolutely yeah i agree whenever i go out of town i try to stop into any archery shop and you know especially in the position i'm in like i you know go in there you know talk to the employees and all that like oh what's working for you guys what are you guys selling you know maybe they have ideas that you know we don't have in the shops that i work in and then i can come back and be like hey this is what they're doing over in you know this town and it seems to be working for them and you know it is cool to go in and talk to a lot of new new archery shops or you know archery shops that have been around for a while definitely but yeah like you said they're the lifeblood of the archery industry um you know it's definitely i mean it's getting harder and harder with online sales you know and you can go buy a bow off you know amazon or you know lancaster and nothing against lancaster they're the the biggest archery you know retailer out there and they are a great archery retailer i've bought stuff off lancaster before but when somebody can just go buy a bow online instead of you know going into an archery shop it makes it a little bit tougher yeah yeah i'm sure it's i'm sure it's it's challenging you know i mean like you say it's a double-edged sword because you know like a lancaster they do so much for the archery industry yep. and community especially on the target side you know their lancaster shoot is huge mm -hmm. uh, it's really one of the funnest ones to watch i, I yeah. really enjoy it but you know it's it, it's just like i said that's kind of why i think it's so important to just try to support and i i feel convicted myself i could do a better job you know i mean i'm I'm just a normal guy doing the same things everyone else is. So, yeah. but, uh, I think it's, it, it's, I don't know. I, I like that. I, I mean, I'm really glad that you're we're working at a shop. It's interesting. You know, I'm sure just daily the the amount of information you take in and, and, and conversations with people, um, I'm sure it, it kind of keeps you, uh, you know, you're always having to listen to it and decide, is this a good method, a bad method? You know, like I'm, yeah, you know, I'm sure you have guys coming in wanting 700 grain arrows, you know, or whatever, you know, yeah. the case may be. And not that, I mean, everyone has their, you know, everyone has their opinions, what they want to shoot, whatever, you know, whatever they can be effective with, I guess. But there's a lot of different thoughts out there for sure. Yeah. And that's what I try to tell people, like, when it comes to, you know, arrows or broadheads or bow tuning, like, I'm not, I'm not on the extreme on pretty much any of them. Um, you know, like an arrow set up, like I, you know, run a general, you know, not a super heavy, but not a super light arrow. You know, I'm typically, a you know, a big proponent of shooting mechanical broadheads as long as you have, you know, the right bow and arrow set up to do it. But there are guys that come in there, you know, that shoot a super heavy arrow or, you know, refuse to shoot a mechanical. And it's like, hey, I would recommend you try this. But if what you've been shooting for the last 5, 10, 20, 25 years has been working for you, then don't listen to me. Keep shooting it. Um, yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with what you've been doing as long as it's working yep for sure yeah it's that the the mechanical and fixed blade debate is it's never ending and yeah and uh it's interesting you know i think obviously accuracy is the most important thing so yeah if you can if you can put a fixed blade uh right where you want it in the soft stuff it's gonna pound right through it no problem you know yeah per, my personal view and and keep in mind i'm a i'm a west i'm a you know midwest hunter i hunt whitetail they're mm -hmm. not like they're big in oklahoma but they're not you know yeah they're not huge you know yeah. so uh man i i if i i shoot a mechanical unless penetration would become an issue that's yeah. my personal i like the biggest the biggest cut i can get 
and and I you know and I also limit my shots you know I mean you know every but everyone's situation is so different you know I I I my average shot on a whitetail is probably 17 yards yeah I mean I set my stuff up to shoot 20 22 23 yards max is, mm-hmm. is how I like it not saying I wouldn't take a 30 yard shot but you know I think a lot of things can be eliminated by I'm just strictly talking about out of a tree stand or a ground blind you know I've yeah. got, I know people in that set their, you know, set their stuff up for a 40 yard shot. And I just think a lot can happen on a whitetail at that yeah. distance, you know, an elk at 40 yards is like, that's a chip shot. I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's all kind of situational pendant. Like, I mean, it doesn't happen as often as whitetail, but I've seen plenty of videos and stuff where elk will, you know, duck or spin out of an arrow. And yeah, usually you're looking at longer shots or, you know, guys are shooting super heavy arrows that aren't going very fast. Um, yeah. So it does happen, but yeah, definitely more so on a whitetail. Um, and if I was going to go and hunt specifically whitetail, I would probably be more, um, more in favor of going with a little bit lighter arrow. That's probably in that, you know, 290 to 300, you know, or even three plus feet per second, um, you know, with a mechanical just to get that speed, get that arrow there a little bit faster. But yeah. out here, I mean, I'm shooting a, 490 grain arrow and it's going 276 um and i can still i can still reach 100 yards on my tape not that i would you know always take a 100 yard shot but i like to you know for a hunting arrow or at least a hunting uh, western hunting setup being able to reach 100 yards on my tape is kind of one of my requirements on there just for a follow-up shot or you know if the situation's right and you know i only have you know an 80 you know to 90 yard shot you know Granted, again, if the situation's right and if you don't practice those shots, I'm not condoning it for everything, but, you know, it's something I feel confident in. So I like having the ability to do that. Yeah, I think that's a really good setup. I like that 490 grain. I mean, for a long time, I used to shoot, you know, 525, 530 grain. Uh And as I've gotten older, um, you know, FOC is one of those things. That's a conversation that a lot of people have. Yeah. I don't think that the deer I shoot could care one ounce about what the no. FOC was of the arrow that hit him, you know? So I think yeah. uh, your groups are going to tell you more about your setup than any percentage on a, you know, on a calculator. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had some of my best penetrating setups intentionally ran low FOC, like 9% mm-hmm. and they would zip right through a whitetail. No problem. You know? Yeah. Um, the, the setup I shot my cow elk with, it was the same one I went to the first tack event with. And that was probably the one of the most accurate setups I've ever had was 9% FOC. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I just, I, I think that that's a, again, I, I haven't shot elk and I haven't shot, you know, other thicker animals. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not saying that it's not, but I, I just, uh, I, the older I've gotten, what I'm trying to say, I, my arrow this year is 452 grains. That's the lightest mm-hmm. arrow I've shot. Um, but you know, I've shooting a two inch mechanical and I've got no I'd go elk hunting with the setup. I'd do I'd shoot anything that I could think of, you know, hogs, yeah. elk, pronghorn. I wouldn't have a problem shooting anything with yeah. that. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. What uh which mechanical are you shooting? Uh I'm shooting the this year I'm shooting the Schwacker uh two sixty one. The two sixty one, okay. it's a Levi Morgan edition, it's a two yep. inch cut. Um but the last two years I've shot the, uh, 269 from Schwacker, which is basically the same exact head, but it's 125 grain mm-hmm. and it's a two and a half inch cut. Is and that, that is big, nat- that's the big blue one, right? Yes. Okay. It that's the nasty. one I'm shooting right now. The two and the 125 grain. Yep. Yeah. Those things, the blood trail, those things leave is stupid. It's stupid. I really, they're probably my favorite head. Uh, I'm shooting for arrow. I mean, just to get into it, if we're talking yeah. about hunting, go as far it. as arrows go, uh, I've been shooting victory arrows for the last few years. Really, really love them. Um, I've shot the the rip TKOs previously, which is like a 204 diameter. So be yep. like for Eastern people would be like a five millimeter. Yeah. Um, but this, the last couple of years I've been shooting the uh, VAP SS, which is, uh, which is like a, a one six, six. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, would be like a four mil. Yeah. And uh, it's got like stainless steel mesh woven through it. So it's kind of victory's answer to like an FMJ, but it doesn't yeah. bend and warp like an FMJ can, you know, Yeah. Uh, really a good, strong arrow. I like it. Um, I, I really like the arrow. My problem is, is I, 
I struggle with components for a one six six. Yep. Um, and so next year I'm going to go back to the rip TKO. It's just a really light arrow. You can put yeah. some weight on it, uh, but I'm going to go back and shoot those, uh, 125 grain, uh, schwackers again. Yeah. I really, really like those heads. Honestly, the, the sad thing is I haven't shot a buck yet this year. I'm still hunting <laughs> and it has been, it's been a year. I'll tell you, I've been fortunate in Oklahoma. You can kill two bucks. And, yeah. Uh, tagged out the last three years, but this year, Man, I'm. It's been a grind. It's been good. It's been one of those like maturing years. Uh, I'm, yeah. you know, just not allowing myself to shoot four year olds, and I've mm-hmm. seen several four year olds. But uh, man, the five year old. I'm basically hunting one deer, and it's been a. It's been interesting. But we have till January fifteenth, so still in the there fight. I, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. A, I, I still think I'll get something done, but we'll see. Yeah, definitely. What What arrow are you shooting? So right now I'm shooting the the gold tip platinum pierce, um, which is yeah. a you know a one six six micro diameter, and then going into what you were talking about componentry. So I actually I took the the seventy five grain titanium um, insert and collar from Nexus, those yeah. guys down in Australia. Um, yeah, which is a really good system. It's got you know that insert and then the collar actually like threads onto the insert, so it's locked on there. It's just not held down by your field point. Um, and then a one twenty five grain tip. Like I said, I'm shooting those big schwackers which it's good to hear that you say they leave a good blood trail because i haven't had an opportunity to put one through an animal yet so that is good to hear but they're they're nasty you'll like them i i uh you know i've shot a lot of mechanical i i say a lot not a lot i i I started with rage for a long time and uh, those rage hypodermics were awesome really good broadheads and then i uh switched over to sever shot sever uh shot some a couple bucks with severs really Mm -hmm. liked them but uh man i i really love the schwacker broadheads i I, i'm i mean that's what i'm going to continue to shoot for you know i i've just got no reason to change the way you can you know i i usually take a couple of the broadheads and you can lock the blades in for practice mode and if if guys aren't shooting their broadheads in practice like i've even heard levi morgan say it that you know that those you know your field points and your broadheads just don't always hit together you know so you've got to practice what you're hunting with absolutely um, i know a lot of tuning guys would disagree with that and and i get what they you know yes you can make them hit but uh it's just important to practice with broadheads i guess is my point yeah for sure yeah it's when it comes to tuning like i'll tune with a field point i shoot through paper with a field point um i know levi morgan said that you know you should shoot through paper with a broadhead but i've had good luck shooting with a with a field point and for pretty much most of my bow and arrow setups for the last few years as long as it's you know, shooting a really clean hole through paper um, with an expandable or even with a fixed blade, it tip, typically hits right on, you know, a fixed blade. You know, once you get past, you know, that 40, 50, 60 yards comes a little bit different, but especially yeah. on mechanicals, I get really good, good flight and consistent accuracy with it as long as it's, you know, just a paper tune. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's, I mean, I do the same thing. I pretty much get, you know, I do all, I don't, I've never shot a broadhead through paper. I don't even know what that would look like. That'd be interesting, but yeah, I've never it's a little tough that. to see your tear, but yeah, there's some things there that I, you know, there's just so many aspects of archery that, um, that I want to know more about, but I haven't figured out how guys, uh, align their, their broadheads with their fletchings. Like I understand you can, you know, glue them and, and yeah. as you put your insert in, but, uh, you know, I, I knock tune every arrow as a yep. bear shaft before I fletch it. Okay. And uh, so I'm not really sure. I, I, I mean, I know you could, you could hot melt it and then, mm-hmm. and then take them out and then re-glue. I don't know, but I, I literally just screw my yeah. – what I normally do is I'll shoot them all in practice and pick the ones that I think are the best, and I screw that broadhead on. And, I'm, you know, I, I, every, before I go hunt, I shoot – I brought, I, I do a practice broadhead shot, you know, usually with a couple field points. And, uh, I mean, like I said, that's kind of what I do to make sure everything's good to go. But, um, you know, I see guys that, you know, orient their, their broadheads and I imagine with fixed blade, it would be maybe more beneficial. I don't have a ton of fixed blade, uh, experience, you know, I've, I've tried them, but I, yeah. I always end up going back to mechanicals. And I know a lot of guys that are purists would say, well, it's cause you're not tuning your bow ride or you're not, but I, if if it if it takes that much effort to get it to fly right to me, yeah, I lose confidence in it. So yep. I don't know. Yeah. That's just me personally. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so going back to what you're talking about, I don't think it really matters too much if you align your broadhead with your veins. Um, I mean, I know some people think it does, but I've never, never seen a reason to, and I've heard both sides of the arguments. But I don't, I don't think it matters, matters too much. I have heard that it can matter a little bit more if it's just like a, a straight two blade one, you know, something like an iron wheel or something like that. Yeah, because you're dealing with more of like a flat planing surface versus you know like a triangle three blade or four blade. But yeah. Even then, I don't think it matters matters too much. Yeah, there's but. just so many things people do, and it's hard to filter through what what makes sense and what doesn't. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, that's with archery. It's just a journey. So many things that you uh, you can learn and, and go through. But those uh, those uh, gold tip arrows, I did I did fletch some of those up and were, was planning to hunt with them, but I ended up changing arrows. So never I've never shot an animal. Those uh, I, I shot the pierce platinum tours or whatever they were they were good arrows i, I mean they yeah you know they flew good yeah yeah i like them um next year though once i get through so i have down here in over in arizona i have a javelina tag and a um my over-the-counter deer tag in january so i don't want to change anything right now but once i get through january i think i'm going to switch to those rip tkos and go to a 204 and mess around yeah. with those for a little bit i think you'll like it there's a lot more components and yep. uh, lighted knocks are definitely better Oh, I don't. Yeah. Can you guys use lighted knocks there? Arizona? Yeah. Okay, sweet. I'm pretty sure most states you can, but I, I've always heard there's a few. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few states that like you know don't allow electronics on a bow. You can't even use a sight light. But and then there's some states where you can go all out and throw a a Garmin range finding sight on there if you want to. So. Yeah, I know Colorado. I think is always like 80% let off. <laughs> That's like yeah the, the highest let off. I, I would I would love to be a warden out there you could probably ride a ticket every time all these bows coming out with 90 and 85 percent yeah nevada was the same way nevada's 80 percent um and a lot of that law i mean like people would ask me about it and you know i'll give the same disclaimer i would give them that i'm not giving legal advice at all but if yeah. you're getting checked for your let off you've made a whole bunch of other mistakes that have gotten you in that position so yeah again you know do what you want within the law but that's my opinion on it yeah, for sure. But and That's... those laws they come from older technology where now, you know, bows that are, you know, 90% let off, they're shooting the same speeds as bows that are shooting 75, whereas that didn't used to be the case. So it came from old technology and you know, states are slowly starting to realize that and change their laws, but Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. But... So what 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 brands do you guys sell at your shop? I mean, so we pretty much sell everything, you know, Hoyt Matthews um Botech, Prime, Elite, PSE, um, Diamond, obviously. Um, but yeah, pretty much just about any any of the major bow brands out there. So it, it is nice. Um, PSE is one that I, a brand that I, I kind of just got introduced to as far as actually being able to shoot the bows because the shop I worked at in Nevada, PSE was one of the only brands we didn't sell. So and I've been, but I've been really, really impressed with the PSE bows. Um, that new Mach 34 is really, really nice. Um, a little bit lighter than I would typically shoot for like the physical weight out of a bow, but it is a really, really nice shooting bow. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually I'm that's I'm planning to have one, that's what I'm planning to shoot for 23 for a hunting bow. Um, and really not not so much for the carbon aspect, which I've had a carbon bow before and I like them and I think it's mm -hmm. I think it's fine, but I'd love the specs of the bow and, and yeah. the new uh, easy 220 shim system that PSC has like from a guy that shoots PSCs, it's phenomenal. I mean, the old taking the bow all the way apart to shim the cams was, uh, it's doable, but it's yeah. not optimal. And that, yeah. that new system, have you played with those shims at all? Um, I haven't, I've seen them, but, but yeah, like, like you said, I have messed with the old PSC shim system and those bows were incredible, but the shimming system was awful. Um, it was terrible. terrible. It was awful to work on just tiny little spacers and all that. Like, yeah, I don't have a problem taking the bow apart. Like, I think as far as the bows that you have to take them apart, Matthews has the best system with those top hats because you just yeah. slide them into the little, you know, that the same hole the axle goes through and it holds it in there for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, that the new PSC shim system is pretty sweet. It's it literally clips off and clips on, and you've yeah. got it shimmed. It takes seconds. It's so nice. They did a really good job with that. So 
uh, that's one of the features on the 34. You know, I've got that on my on on a target side. I've got the the new Dominator Duo, and it it's got that shim system, and I really really like it. So uh, I I really like that on the 34, and uh, obviously the bows I shoot, you know, being a whitetail hunter and turkey hunting, um, I like they're pretty much boat anchors. I like them pretty heavy. I put a lot of weight on them. I run yep. pretty long bars. Uh, the one I've got 16 and 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 12 on my uh xf 33 right now and uh you know a substantial amount of weight but yeah a lot of people you know stabilizer wise it's like man if it holds the pin steady that's like the most important thing you know guys are always like oh this is gonna get hung up and this and that like have you ever clipped your arrow on the string at rest and see how far that arrow protrudes like any hunting situation you've got to have that much room so yeah i don't know yeah but i could see i could see western you know, hiking through, you know, I can, I, I get it. I just, man, to me on like a Western setup where you, you know, a 60 yard shot's pretty, I would say average. I, I'm guessing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would say, yeah, anywhere from that 40 to 60 yard shots, pretty average. I, I'd want that extra stability if I could get it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't mind a longer setup right now in my hunting, but I think I'm running a 12 and an eight, but come next year, once I'm ready to switch things up, I'm either going to go to like a, a 15 and like a 10 and a 12 or i'm i'm thinking about messing around with that option archery um quiverizer i do yeah. like that concept yeah it's pretty cool i mean you know get rid of a quiver that's you know it kind yeah. of kills two birds with one stone and yeah. uh having arrows at the ready is is always a good thing for sure yeah what what kind of sights are you running on your matthews Right now, I'm running the Spot Hog, the Fast Eddie two pin, which yeah, I haven't had too much time, you know, out in the field hunting with it. Um, so we're gonna see. I'm, I'm guessing that you know after I mess around with it a little bit more, I'm probably gonna go back to like a three to five pin setup, just because I think the two pin might eventually screw me over on a on a Western hunting situation, um, where I you know draw back and that animal you know runs another twenty yards, but. You know, having that dual pin, it kind of solves that problem. It's about a 15-yard gap for me. So, yeah, we'll see. I love the sight picture of having that, you know, vertical post on there. So, going back to horizontal pins might might be a little tough, but we'll see. But that's what I'm running right now. Yeah, those are those things are bulletproof for sure. Yeah. I've never actually owned a spot hog. I've got several friends that shoot them, and they're bulletproof. They're a little heavy, but they're bulletproof. Yeah. I mean, I think they'd pretty much take any beating you give them. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. What about you? I, you I, I've got the the true ball or the well the Excel landslide and nice. uh, and I run a a UV three XL scope on it with the double pin. Um, okay. I'm a single pin guy. The double yeah. pin's just kind of there. I mean, yep. on on my XF, it's gosh, it's like twenty and forty three. It's pretty good gap. So it's you know, uh, Ultraview just came out with their three pin plus a bonus pin. Yep. If you're if you're a guy that likes multi pin, that's a really cool, really cool setup. Um, yeah, I'm a big. I really like the Ultraview scopes and and just started shooting their releases and really impressed. Uh, I've shot their scopes for several years, and yeah. uh, but hunting wise, I per, pretty much prefer a single pin. You know, that's that's. I mean, you know, turkeys and all that. I mean, I have it doesn't take long to dial it, and I'm good to no. go. But I do understand you know, especially, you know, mule deer or, you know, you jump a mule deer out of a bed and it, it takes 10 steps or, you know, yeah, I, I have anxiety about those situations anyway, you know, like yeah. that's, that's a, that's the only thing about whitetail hunting. A lot of times you're, you're able to get the, the shot that you're after, you know, mm-hmm. just in the way you set up your tree stands and, and, and all that. So, uh, that, wild animal running moving you know i get that with turkeys but mm-hmm. um but you know it's a lot less uh of a deal if you miss a turkey than if you yeah. miss the you know your 300 inch bull or or you know a, a nice mule deer or whatever you know yep. it's a it's interesting so i'm really impressed by guys that you know those things you know they bump them out of a bed and and they get a shot you know they run 12 yards and then they you know that they just pull up and shoot i'd be like man i i don't know what to do <laughs> yeah yeah judging yardage and i mean those situations it's something i'm trying to get better at but i still find myself like i don't like taking a shot where i don't know the exact range so 
it is it is tough and i mean it kind of um this january at the very beginning of the year i had a, a javelina tag and that actually kind of screwed me over a little bit because i was shooting a three pin at the time and range so i had 20 30 40 and i ranged one at 32 and for whatever reason, instead of just, you know, using my pin gaps, I decided, oh, I'm just going to dial right to 32 so I can put my pin on there. And if I hadn't taken the time to, you know, look at my site, dial and check it and all that, if I would have just pin gapped, I would have shot one. But that, you know, two, three, five seconds, whatever it took to adjust my site, that's what cost me that shot opportunity. But so those things are fast. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're tons of fun to hunt. They're one of my favorite animals to hunt just because there's a ton of opportunity and if you can find them, you can pretty easily get close to them as long as you play the wind. Right. I mean, that instance I was just talking about, I was standing at, you know, anywhere from like 25 to 35 yards from them for like 10 minutes, just trying to, you know, look for a shot opportunity while they were, you know, moving in between bushes and all that. And just drew back probably a half dozen times on one, just never got a shot opportunity. They don't seem like they hold still very well. They don't ever stop moving. (laughs) Yeah, I've so, I've never killed a I've never killed one, but I've got some friends that you know I've got one friend in particular. He goes every year to Texas and, and yeah, says he just he just he takes like I don't know two or three dozen arrows. Like yeah. it's you know they 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 he says it's really fun. So yeah, yeah, like I said, they're one of my favorite things to hunt. Like you know, and some people say the meat tastes bad. I mean, I've you know i've had it before i think it tastes fine i mean i turn it mostly into ground and all that so you're adding fat and different seasonings and all that so but yeah. I, I love hunting them that's awesome but, that's awesome yeah. i heard you say uh i i listen i've listened to a few of your episodes obviously but i heard nice. you say that you you like uh elkhart is that right i do like elkhart yeah elkhart like or any heart from you know you know elk deer anything like that the heart is one of like my favorite cuts of meat you know it's the first thing i cook um i don't ever like freeze the heart or let it sit in the fridge or freezer for too long it i come home from that hunt and cook the heart you know if not that night within a couple nights yeah it's my kids absolute favorite meal is deer heart they 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 eat it up it's so good i I wish more people would try it because i think they would be surprised that you know once you get it into like a manageable looking piece of meat it's really good yeah how are you usually cooking it what's your kind of go-to for heart uh first i kind of like would just saute it when you know like just to just basically brown it to like medium rare with like onions and you know like onions and garlic and wine and just kind of like to you know just that was the first way i did it but the way i cook it now i smoke it every time just smoke the whole heart and it is so good Huh. I mean, it's good pretty much anyway, as long as you yeah. don't overcook it. Yeah. But um, it's been a long time. It's been several years since I cooked it the way I did it the first couple times. Yeah. Um, it was a recipe I saw online, and it was good. Like cooking it in a skillet was good, but yeah. um, I really like it smoked. Huh. I'll have to try that. Yeah, I've never done like a whole heart. I usually either, you know, cut it up into like you know slices, or I'll cube it up. The last time I did it on my cow elk from this year, I cut it up into little bite sized cubes and used like a pre-made like carne asada seasoning and made like elk heart tacos with it yeah that sounds amazing yeah, yeah. it would be great like fajita tot style or taco oh yeah or anything like that so good yeah but yeah and i mean i compare it to like a steak like it has a similar texture and taste and flavor and all that to you know like the best cut of steaks yeah i really like it i really like it and i uh for a long time when I, I used to grill, you know, like smoking's kind of new. I mean, not new, but it's uh-huh. obviously super popular now with all the pellet smokers. And, you know, it's not the, you know, it's not that difficult. You can check the temperature from your cell phone and, yep. you know, there's so many, you know, things that technology has, has brought that along. But um, I really, uh, when I used to cook tenderloins, you know, I used to grill them and those things were terrible. I hated it. I couldn't <laughs> cook them without drying them out so for like the last i don't know seven six seven years anytime i take a deer in the processor i would just say i'll just grind it i don't i don't want it yeah and the like last year i had some i i didn't do that and i smoked it and then reverse seared it dude yep. i've i've been living wrong for a long time that's <laughs> all i could say 
tenderloins I have a whole new respect for, at least on a whitetail. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they're even that. I mean, elk just all the elk I've ever had is so delicious. Like it's definitely better than deer in my opinion. But yeah, yeah, I agree. I, elk is by far my favorite game meat. But have you ever had? This is an issue I've had like smoking meats and all that. Sometimes like that meat will become like a little like mushy almost. Um, and even when I'm you know reverse seared it or you know seared it on the front end or anything like that, sometimes that meat like gets like a mushy texture have you had that at all i haven't i have not no okay um i could see if you didn't revoke like if you just smoked it to temperature yeah like you know five or ten degrees less than you wanted it and then you pulled it and it you know finished yeah but with reverse searing you know usually you get a really good crust so yeah i don't know what you know how you do it. i usually do it in like a cast iron and i don't do it on a smoker i know a lot of people you know, a lot of the smokers don't get hot enough. No. So I usually run like a, like I've got some kind of like two, two burner thing. I don't know, next to my smoker. And I just get yeah. a cast iron pan and get that thing scorching and some butter and garlic and it's bomb. It's yeah. really good. But yeah, but yeah, I, I haven't had it be like that. So I don't know. Yeah. Are you, are you letting it get to like room temperature before you smoke it? Like, are you just taking it out of the fridge and doing uh, it? I try to get it, let it get to room temperature, but I'm not the best at remembering to pull it out of the fridge early enough. So I try yeah. to let it sit out as long as I can, but. I mean, I'm, and I don't mean like room, room temperature, but you yeah. know, not like right out of the fridge or like, you know, it, yeah. it definitely helps, you know, to not early in my in my deer cooking days sometimes i would have something that wasn't fully or like i put it in in water to thaw like you know in the package like if i had mm -hmm. a steak or whatever back strap or whatever yeah. and then uh i would you know it would thaw but it was still really cold and then i would take it right to the grill well the inside was just it never cooked right you know yep so if you if you let it kind of everything kind of calm down as far as temperature goes it cooks a lot better in my yeah. from my experience but yeah cooking yeah. is not my uh forte so it's certainly not my expertise yeah yeah cooking especially wild game and all that but yeah like you i'm definitely not an expert i i keep yeah. it pretty simple yeah but, but man it's fun there's nothing like like being successful so so you've got a couple hunts coming up or just one um so in arizona it's pretty much just january i have a javelina tag and this they both open uh this sunday on the first um, I have a javelina tag and then my over-the-counter archery tag. So I'm going to try and fill that javelina tag, you know, hopefully within the first weekend, and then I can hunt deer the rest of the month. But that's that's the plan. And then I would like to do spring bear, but I don't know if that's going to gonna work out or not. So if not, then I'll be done until next fall. Yeah. I, I honestly had no idea that Arizona had javelina. That's interesting. I'm going to have to do some research on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a ton of fun because especially you can – most of the time combo it so if you were coming from you know oklahoma and you know pick up a javelina tag but mostly coming out for you know over-the-counter archery deer and you know if you see javelina you go shoot one real quick and then you get back to deer hunting yeah oh. yeah it's a yeah. it's a ton of fun the over-the-counter deer hunt i mean it's tough it's there's a ton of pressure obviously with just like any other over-the-counter tag but we'll see how that works because this was the first year they limited the the amount of tags to non-residents so it used to be just a free for all for, you know, non-residents. Now they have, they put a limit of like just under 2,900 tags and they sold out within, I think less than 24 hours. So. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll That's see. And they got a whole new quota system as far as, you know, each unit has a certain amount of deer that can be killed. And once that quota is met, that unit shuts down the following Wednesday. So they're changing things up a little bit, but there's still, still a lot of good opportunity. Yeah. Is uh is Arizona more uh, like is the success rate with archery, is it similar to like a Colorado or is it any different? Um, I, I always know I always know a lot of you know Colorado, especially on the elk side, it's like seven eight percent success rate. Yeah, like super low. I would say that's probably accurate for the over the counter hunt. Um, if not even a little bit lower for the over the counter hunt. Um, but the draw hunts usually have a little bit better success. Because those yeah. the units that are in a draw hunt, they're just a draw hunt. There's nobody getting in there and pressuring them with an over-the-counter tag. So, yeah. But yeah, I would say for the over-the-counter, you're right around, right around that um, 
you know, seven, eight percent mark. And if you just talk mature deer that are killed in the over the counter one, the success rate's probably like one percent. Yeah, but I bet that's there, very difficult. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of little spikes and two points killed on the over the counter tag, which I mean, I have no problem doing that. I was very close to shooting a couple of those last January, so but that's awesome. That'll be fun, man. I'm excited for you. I can't wait to hear uh how it goes so is it the whole month of january yep yeah so the the hobblina tag wraps up the 26th and then the deer tag wraps up the 31st um so and then the nice thing about that deer tag is it's a that tag is good for a calendar year so the -the over-the-counter units they're open in january and then august and december so if i don't kill one in january i have another tag or have that tag going into august so that's awesome yeah, it's a pretty nice system. But what about you? What do you got coming up, both on the the hunting side and the competition side? Are you planning on shooting Vegas in February? I will not be in Vegas. I no. uh, I work a schedule that my job it's uh it's not the most flexible. So it's it really doesn't. I mean, I'm thankful for my job. I have a great job. I work for my wife's family. They've got a business, and it's great. But uh, you know. I, getting to some of the national shoots has been, I haven't yeah. yet. So okay. um, I'm excited. I'll be following along with Lancaster and Vegas and, you know, I, yeah. I love watching it, um, but I'm not going to be in Vegas this year, but uh, you know, I honestly, I'm hoping I, you know, part of me like to try to make it to the ATA show, but I don't know if I will, but yeah. But, uh, but as far as uh, hunting goes, you know, I'm going to, I'm still trying to shoot a deer. Uh, yep. It's, it's one of those years, like it's been, uh, for mature deer, I had a lot, a good group of four and a half year old deer last year that would have been awesome this year. And for whatever reason, they've dispersed or, you know, it's, uh, I just hunt on one piece of property. So it's, uh, okay. it's been fun. I've hunted there about 10 years and I usually get to see the same deer year after year, really watch them grow. Um, and been fortunate to shoot some, some older class deer. And this year I've just like years past, I've always been okay shooting a four-year-old, which whitetail wise a four-year-old a lot of guys would that's a mature deer you know it's a good deer um i just it's one of those things it's not like out of some elitist or or anything like that like the deer that i'm hunting he's not even that big he's probably like a one upper 30s maybe a a 140 not that big a class of deer definitely not the biggest deer i've ever killed but uh past him last i had the opportunity to shoot him last year late season and uh you know obviously didn't shoot him and he's pretty cool this year. I mean, it, I, it's one of the deer I'd be more proud to kill because I've gone all year, just, you know, our season of October and just yep. literally a grind. And uh, he's beat me. He's still beat me. I, you know, haven't had a single encounter with him yet. So, yeah. um, but, uh, so I've got that. And then uh, turkey season here is, well, they just changed it. It used to be April 6th to May 6th. Now it's like the 16th of April, I think, to the 16th. Like they've pushed it back okay um so turkey season will come up i love hunting turkeys and then uh as far as target archer goes i'm 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 shooting you know trying to shoot as many local like indoor vegas style shoots as i can i don't get to that many but um i kind of got my schedule rearranged where i can make them there's some some at a local shoot uh shop here in in oklahoma and uh trying to shoot as many of those just to get ready for uh 3d season i really like shooting uh, 3d as much as i can so nice that's kind of what's on the horizon, you know, obviously, you know, you got a family and kids that, you know, they're busy. So, I mean, just like anyone, life's busy, but yeah. I try to get as much archery in as I can, as much hunting as I can. So nice. Cool, man. Well, I don't want to keep you on here too much later. I know you're even later than I am down there or out there in Oklahoma, but two questions I ask everybody um, is for a book recommendation. We were talking before that you don't ever, read so we said we'd substitute in for a podcast unless you thought of a book in the last hour yeah no uh i mean i read but i you know i don't read very much so books i'm not going to be the guy to recommend a book to you but uh, podcast wise i would definitely uh i would definitely recommend reaching out to our our listening to blake jerome's podcast blake jerome he's i think he's out of washington northwest part of the country Okay. Uh, but phenomenal uh, target shooter and hunter as well. Huh. And uh, he's got one called, uh, I think it's called Chasing Perfection. 
Okay. Um, but Blake Jerome, he's he's got a lot of knowledge. Uh, he's a guy that, uh, you know, I think he blank bells like three or four hours a day. He he actually nice. works in his own shop, has his own archery shop, but very very talented, very successful archer. So, uh, nice. definitely check out his podcast. Um, as far as a guest, man, I said that that would be easy. There's a <laughs> lot of people that I think you should have on. Um, yeah. Let me think for two seconds here. Who would Go be a good it. guest for you? Um, hey, I, I'll, I'll, I'll shout out another Oklahoma dude. There's a guy named Ryan Hayes. He's, he's from Oklahoma. Uh, he does some uh, hunting with the uh, whitetail fit. And uh, he's a good dude. The guy, he, he shot an elk this year. Um, uh-huh. But he's a really good hunter. Phenomenal social media. Uh, but Ryan Haynes, I'd check out Ryan Haynes. He, he would be a cool guy because he does have uh, – you know, backcountry experience. And, and I think you'd, I think you'd enjoy talking to him. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's, I think I literally just started following his podcast today. So that name definitely rings a bell. Um, but yeah, I, I looked at his Instagram and all that and it definitely looks like somebody I want to get on the podcast at some point. So his photography is on point. He's a cool dude. I think you'd like it. So check yeah. him out. Cool, man. Well, anything else we, you want to talk about before we let you go and let you enjoy your night? Man, that's it. I, I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, I'm excited to, to hear how your season goes. So keep me updated. Definitely will. You do the same. All right, man. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Josh. Um, Josh, if you're listening, thank you for coming on. Hopefully we can meet up sometime and you know, shoot some bows together and you know, maybe do an archery shoot together at some point. Um, but if you guys want to check out the podcast social media, it's barely underscore backcountry underscore podcast on Instagram. And then my personal is c.dillashaw. And then again, Josh's social media is 4.fletch.archery on Instagram and then 4.fletch.archery on YouTube. Um, make sure you guys give the podcast a like, a follow, a review, all those good things. Share it with anybody that you think might be interested in it. And that kind of covers it for this week. And I will see you guys next week.